Testing. Attention, please. This must mean I'm disgusting. It's just me. I'm disgusting. Hey. You're on your own journey. I can't follow you. You don't know that one? Nope. Welcome to the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast, the Survivor podcast that will go on record and say, fuck the NRA. Oh, yeah. No, fuck the NRA. Fuck the NRA. I am like, okay. I, I'm i your host, Stephen Levine, with my co-host, Jared Sheldon. Well, I'm going to get past that part. I am certified with a gun. I took training. I have hunted before. The NRA is garbage. They're awful, awful humans that try i mean they're responsible for so many deaths and have a lot of dark money that flows through them especially from russia they're a very shady organization yeah they weren't always but they are now yeah what a what a <laughs> you knew what this would do to me i know i'd well, I, i'm upset too i'm the one that brought it up <laughs> this is me saying hey frank we were we, we were getting close, and then, uh... Yeah, we were liking Frank, and now Frank's gone, and I'm glad Frank's gone, but we'll talk more about that. <laughs> I actually... We, we will get more in-depth later, obviously. Uh-huh. I was expecting it to be worse, because what we saw is almost entirety of what we saw on the next time on, mm-hmm. so I was expecting it to be a whole long tirade, and I was like, well, they kept it contained to, <laughs> like, 30 seconds. Uh, how, how are you doing, Jared? How's life? There's a big-ass blizzard coming, and it just started, so that's been fun. Yeah, we're recording this on Thursday, Thursday, the 22nd, and there has been a storm. I was supposed to take a bus tonight toward Minnesota, and that is not happening. So, I don't know. <laughs> blizzard, miserable, what a, what a winter, what a, what a Christmas. This is the last episode that's going to come out in 2022 oh what is the thing you are most proud of in 2022 hmm i sorry i'm gonna i know i've talked about working on ships before but something that i'm proud of is something that i did on my last ship where i have for a long time struggled with sustaining my voice Hmm. with difficult things over a long period of time sometimes I, I push too hard, and it, it I struggle for really high and really hard stuff. And this last contract forced me to do things in ways that were different. I, I was doing very difficult things over and over and over again, and I only, very rarely struggled. And one time, I... Because it's still the COVID times, unfortunately, my other male singer went down multiple times so i carried the show by myself and sang all the male parts for two shows a night for about a week and that is something that i could not have done before and i am proud of that it probably should not have done no should not have had to do sure but the show must go on and uh, it was either that or no show for a week if there's one thing we should have learned from the last two years, it's that the show must not always go on. (laughs) 
There, there are options. Yes. No, just I, n- not as good options when you're in the middle of the ocean. Very proud of you. I'm glad that that was, that that was good. Thank you. I, I, I'm retiring that phrase. The show must not go on. Sure. My favorite part of this was there, there was a show about movie music. And I sang the second song, the third song, the fourth song, and the fifth song all in a row. And it was to the point where it was pe- people were laughing when they're like, it's him again? God damn it. <laughs> The they only have one guy on the yeah. ship who can sing. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. What about you? What are you? What are you most proud of? I think the thing I'm most proud of is something I'm still working on, but have just got my feet dipped in the water, my toes dipped in the water. <laughs> Sorry, returning back time podcast does advocate for feet. I no, I'm not advocating for feet. <laughs> no, it's okay. I don't have that. Not finish. a thing. And that's not what I'm proud of. Your feet. I'm, I mean, I am proud that I have them. I'm diabetic. So every day I keep my feet is a good day. Oh, boy. But as I butcher the expression, no, I have sort of dipped my toes in the water of getting into more leadership positions, something I've done in my entire life, but never in like official capacities. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, moving into a role at work that is more executive based and moving into directing from acting, I, it's always, it's easy when you're on the bottom of the ladder to complain and shake your fist about why things aren't better at the, at the top or higher up rungs on the ladder. Mm-hmm. But it's, I have felt those pressures and it's most of, I'm not gonna say all of the time, but most of the time I feel like I've been able to keep my, my values and the fish shaking from the bottom while still being higher up on the ladder. Yeah. And I'm proud of that. Nice. High five. Nailed it. Yeah. Well, I wasn't going to high-five too hard. I jammed my finger on that one, so... I probably could have high-fived with the other hand. Where's the fun in that? It's too easy. Pain gets us through. I scrubbed that from the record. I hate that. Never mind. (laughs) Speaking of things that I scrubbed from the record... Speaking of pain... (laughs) Emails! (laughs) Thank you for sending us emails, as always. We had two emails today. One from Josh. These are uh, more succinct emails today. Mm. Mostly just reaction, because the episode just came out this morning. Real, Real quick, Steven. Yes. My favorite part of the podcast yes. is watching the fear in your eyes as you try to figure out what your segue from whatever we were talking about was to the emails. It's improv, baby. Whatever works. <laughs> whatever sticks. First first email from Josh. Couple, Just a couple notes. Survivor will occasionally show swing votes just for dramatic effect. And we, we did talk about that, why yeah. we were so confused why Brandon, they showed his vote despite him being the swing. It, it did. It threw us off. I hope they do it better in the future, because that one just felt like a dud to me. I saw it, and I was like, what? Wait, you just gave it away. <laughs> and Brandon wasn't playing to win. He just wants to go to the end with the people he likes. I guess. Yeah. I Honestly, I just think he's not very good at strategy. I Yeah, I think he... It's like his emotions were battling his logic all of the time, but they like different ones would win. At different on different days mm-hmm. usually when we see that it's a it's someone like jerry who their emotion wins most of the time sure or like a rich whose logic wins most of the time mm. and brandon just flip-flopping maybe by the hour let's be honest yeah all right yes and then we also have an email from carl carl sends in some <laughs> some notes as well I like the term that Jared used, cascading failure, would be a good slogan for the Lions' entire existence. Correct, it would be. The Detroit Lions, not the Lions of Africa, which we will talk about in this episode. Well, yes. That's actually, 
Cascading failures is a... I'm going to nerd out here for a second since it's brought back up. It's a term that means one thing causing a chain reaction down the line where each different thing causes the failure of another. Happens in D&D a lot where <laughs> you fail a roll and so you try to double down and do a different roll, but then it's a higher DC by uh, in the higher number you have to hit because you failed and it just keeps getting worse and... Yeah, that pretty much does sum up the Lions' fifty years, yeah. last fifty years of existence. So I, I remember you DM'd for for me the first time I played, and the entire first—I mean, you can call it episode. Really, it wasn't it, it wasn't a show by any means. It was just doing it for fun. The entire episode that we did was just us, you trying to teach us it's okay to run away, and we did not run away. Yeah, we, we refused. Uh, session first session. And yeah, sometimes you gotta slip those in there, and sometimes the party doesn't learn the lesson, and they all die. Yeah. Fuck us. We didn't die. <laughs> no, it's true. We should have. I also don't know that we played very much more after that. It was a short contract, yeah, so... Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Labrador is a barely inhabited stretch of the southeastern Arctic on mainland Canada. Oh, okay. Also, a breed of dog. Thanks, Steven. You're welcome. Carl sees what you're saying about Brandon's potential, that he's semi-strategically thinking, that's kind of it. For the most part, he plays in a very petty and unstrategic manner, uh, fucking over himself and Kim because he doesn't like Frank. It drives me crazy because it's like Brandon can see into the future 20 years to what survivor strategy is, uh -huh. but he only sees it for like five seconds at a time and then changes uh, his mind two hours later. Uh, yeah. He's that so ravening. Yep. Those, those types of people, or those types of characters, I guess, drive me crazy because it's so, you're so close. You're so close. Ah, <laughs> uh, beautiful. Jeff to Tom upon seeing the elephant dung. Whoa, I bet you've seen that before. I know they have elephants around, but it sounds like Jeff is saying that Tom must take monster shit. I think that might be what it was. <laughs> ah! It's a good, that's a good point. I forgot about that. And... Kelly said in an interview that she was closest at first with old Kim, and at one point, Kim mm -hmm. said to her, there are three people in this game that I don't like how you're playing, and you're one of them. Seems a little judgmental. <gasps> oh my god. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was just talking to you before we watched this episode that, like, old Kim has disappeared. <laughs> and this is old Kim that she's talking about, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, old Kim has just kind of disappeared. She reappears for a little bit this episode, but, like, we saw a little bit of her in the beginning of the season of, ah, oh, she's old, so if we lose immunity, we'll probably vote her out. And then no, we never nothing. Did. We didn't get to it. Yeah. Well, they never <laughs> lost immunity again until they tribe-swapped. It's a good point. I don't know. I feel like this was... As soon as you said that, though, this kind of had some some Kim yes. plot here. And it seems like next episode will, too. They're running out of people, so eventually you have to get everyone involved in the plot. Counterpoint. Amber. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Asked about Kelly's audience reception, the general audience was whatever on her, but many of her online fans loved her, almost to an absurd degree. I mean, mm. online crazies? <laughs> don't know about them. She has a, a certain charisma about her. Yeah. She's a very unique person. Absolutely. And <laughs> one final note. At, this is pre-Happy Holidays, but I, I feel like I want to end this. Thank you for the Happy Holidays. This We're recording pre-Holidays, but it's coming out around... Between the holidays. Yeah, between the holidays. And finally, final note, Ethan is Jewish. We find that out this episode! Yes, we do. We'll talk about that. So that's, that's yeah, that's a whole conversation I am not qualified to have about, like, 
from my close Jewish friends, I have I have overheard the conversation of like if Jewish people consider themselves white, and that is a active conversation mm-hmm. in the Jewish community, in the American Jewish community. Yeah. So Ethan does cool, but I I, I wasn't going to play pick that ethnicity, and then Tom <laughs> played it for me. So we and we found it out in the email as well. Yeah, and it's I mean it's there there are two different schools of thought because there is the the nationality of being from Israel and there's also the religion of being Jewish. So sometimes they they're used interchangeably, but other times it's it's different. So it's I that's all I'm going to say about it. Yeah. Again, I know some, but it is not my place to talk from it. So we'll move on. Anything else before we get into the episode? Man, Tom. I don't even have that many quotes. It's just it's just the, the one big it's one. It's a big one. Yeah. Bumper. Alright, so this episode came out on December 20th of 2001. Not too much going on in this time. Yeah, only one thing really happened in the world between the last episodes of Survivor, and that is the Lean Tower of Pisa reopens, didn't know it was closed, after 11 years and $27 million to fortify it without fixing its famous lean. Oh, shit. Yep. Uh, and the number one song did change. It is How You Remind Me by Nickelback. Oh, yeah. 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 That was when Nickelback first broke on the scene, I think. Nickelback gets a bad rep, and I get it. Their stuff is samey. But it's music, and it was popular music. And they did what they did well. It's the Cheerios of music. Cool. A lot of old people like it, and it makes me want to vomit. Yeah, well, they have Cheerios. They have Honey Nut Cheerios. They have other (laughs) kinds of Cheerios. There were, like, Frosted Cheerios at one point. I'll give you a Honey Nut Cheerio. Continue with your list. (laughs) The top grossing movie was, of course, The Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring that came out between these two episodes. And then Ocean's Eleven, the first Harry Potter... Vanilla Sky, and Not Another Teen Movie. So, pretty banger list. I mean, Monsters, Inc. and Behind Enemy Lines are still on there, and they're they're five and six. Yeah. Some good movies in theaters during this time. So, we are into the episode, episode 11, We Are Family. Don't oh. sing it. Don't do it. Steven, hold okay. it in. Hold it in. So, young Kim is glad. Young Kim is glad Brendan's gone. Don't sing it. <laughs> Okay, fine. I passed it. I was so... This is so weird. Her rationalization. I get being hurt, but she's like, I couldn't trust Brandon. Kim, is there anyone on this tribe that you can trust? Yeah, you're running out of options here. (laughs) Right. Like, figure it out. Do you trust Ethan? (laughs) The one actively working against you? Do you trust old Kim? Like, what are you... these, These people aren't your friends? Maybe you can trust Teresa, but, like, why are you... You're already in the minority. Why are you picking up another person in the minority that you say you can't trust? Yeah. He was going to go home anyway. I get it, but very silly rationalization. It's just a lot of, a lot of weird... We're, we're jumping through a lot of hoops here. Speaking of... Oh, and, and she blames him for covering his own ass? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> it's a game. Everyone should be covering their, more, their own ass a little bit more. Yeah. Do better. Oh, you know what? Actually, no, that was Ethan talking about Lex. Yes. My bad. Yep. And that's what what I was going to jump to, is that 
right after that, we go to Ethan talking to Tom about, oh, I don't know, I don't know about this Lex character here. Lex was a little too cozy with Brandon, and I, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, I don't know. If Brandon's gone, it's not like he has any other options here. Yeah. It's not like he's shown a, a propensity to jump ship. And it seems like he told you he wasn't going to vote yeah. for Brandon out of the deal he made. Yeah. In fact, he was the one that was, like, super over the top that someone would even dare jump ship. Yeah, I don't think they're worried about him, like, betraying them. I think they're just saying, well, you made a deal with us first, and then you made a deal with him, so why is the deal with him worth more than the deal with us? And to that I say... It is one fucking vote. Yeah. Like, you don't all have to vote in unison every single time as long as your goals are being accomplished. It was one vote that was in unison except for Lex. Yeah. That's it. And most people would be like, I'm so scared because I didn't vote with the group, but this was on purpose. Yep. And, and that conversation transitions into Kim talking about, well, Lex, Tom, and Ethan are the final three. Or are they? Yeah, she's like, they They thought it's going to be the three of them, but I think one of them's going to, two of them are going to pick off one of the other, mm -hmm. and it's going to be me and two of those three in the final three. Sure. I mean, you got to hope for that, otherwise you better be making moves. Yeah, it's weird how she's just okay with that. Yeah. I mean, maybe she isn't, I need to give her more credit than that, because maybe she isn't okay with the fact that they, they originally thought it was going to be the three of them, but why press the issue early? Wait for a crack to happen like it did mm -hmm. and then make your move. And it's really even too early to make that move. You still have stragglers coming along. There's no point. Like, she's putting in little whispers of it, sure. but there's no point in playing too hard right now. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Unless you think that this is your only option right here at seven. I don't think by seven you need to be preparing for four. I mean, you need to be preparing. Tell that to modern survivors. Sure, fair enough. But you've already laid a good foundation for yourself. You mm -hmm. don't need to pull the trigger too early and risk shooting yourself in the foot. Sure. Or right. in her swollen ass foot. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that in a hot second. We, get, we go into the night and we have another lion stalking again. So Ethan and young Kim are mm -hmm. up doing watch. And they're getting yelled at by this lion. Like, it is full-on growling at them not doing a good job of hunting well they bring up a good point in that like oh are the lions just communicating to each like to each other like territorially or are they circling for a hunt and that's them like communicating holy fuck yeah it could have been that this this did uh, it felt like a different level than the one before oh yeah the one before they were at a distance and they were kind of like they did go around the camp. In this one, it was close, and it was very vocal. And I, I do think a little bit of that is on audio editing. I feel like mm. they, they threw in some lion growls that weren't necessarily live audio, just with how stock footage-y uh, a couple of the growls were. Sure. It's not like they have the lion mic'd up. Right. <laughs> Correct. I don't think your boom mic's going to catch that. No. But the, you can tell it's close and you can see... They didn't add any that weren't there, I don't think, because you see people reacting to them. Yeah. And the thing that surprised me... So they said that these thorn walls are only six feet tall. And that 
a lion could probably jump over it. And yeah, no, a lion could totally jump over that. Easily. Very I don't, easily. I don't know if a lion's going to because they don't know what's inside of it. Even yeah. if they can smell a bunch of people, they don't know what else is in there. Uh, you know, they hunt by sight and smell. You kind of need both. And why go fuck around and find out when you can't go to the lion ER afterwards? <laughs> yeah, their biggest problem is that they also could not get the kill out afterwards. That's true, too. But Kim, young Kim, yep. is like pacing the perimeter. And I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Why are you so far away from everyone else? Why are you putting yourself right next to the fence? <laughs> Go by the fire and wait with everyone else. Yeah, maybe uh, make some noise. Make it clear that, hey, you are alive. You are aware that the thing is there. And try to scare it off a little bit. Yeah, I was also surprised they didn't try that. They were surprisingly calm, except for young Kim. Yeah. And then Ethan, uh, a final quote to... Tom comes over and was very weirdly, like, up in Ethan's business, like, trying to scare him a little bit. And like, Tom, place and time. Come on. I don't know. I took it as just trying to be be funny and trying to lighten the mood. Sure. And I didn't think it was poorly received. Yeah, fair. And then... Ethan says it's their land. We're just living in it for 39 days. Yeah, he's right. He's absolutely right. You're in a nature preserve. It's their land, man. That's a very good mentality to have. Something I've I've mentioned, I've kind of hinted at throughout the season, but I I finally kind of conceptualized the thought. Uh, Not having a body of water, like in preferably the ocean, Mm -hmm. but also like the river in season two, We've had a couple of times where people have overheard people talking, and I was trying to figure out why that's happened so much, and we talked a little bit about there's not places to go, but there kind of is, but the problem is there's really no reason to go anywhere except for the firewood, yeah. and I was just thinking about how much isolation and benefit of the doubt the ocean gives you, because you have to go out and multiple people to fish, you can't do it alone, and when you're fishing, you're out there for an hour or two yeah not just for the 30 minutes it takes you to collect firewood and walk on back nobody's gonna be sneaking up on you remember earlier when uh Lindsay like sneaks up and samburu and catches them talking like if silas and frank had gone out onto a boat Lindsay can't paddle her ass out there and be like hey what you guys talking about you're not gonna sneak up on that one you're not gonna pop up from the water ha i heard everything (laughs) just thinking about that with the fact that they literally have to lock themselves in at night yep Yep, it's a different game in this one. And then here comes the energy hit that we hit every season of the, okay, this is the toll that it's taking on their bodies. They're 37 days in, 38, depending on where we are in the episode. No, no, they're 30 days in. You're correct, sorry. At the end of this episode, we're 30 days in, 28. 27 at the start, 28 is what I meant to say, 28 days in. And they're feeling it. The energy is down... People's legs are swollen. They show Kim's leg and Kim, old Kim, rolls down the sock and the imprint from the sock just kind of stays there and any pressure that you put on with your hand just also stays just kind of stays there. Hey, medical, can we take a look at that? Yeah, that's, uh, I'm sure it's a dehydration thing. Sure. But still. Can we, like, maybe make sure she's not going to have long-term consequences yeah. but she's not or, the only one with with issues like no. there are scars there are loss of weight tom looks tiny tom said 40 pounds yeah he's he guessing he guessed 40 pounds <laughs> it's 
wild. We get here all the time in these early Survivor seasons. Yeah, well, and I think they put it here because of the reward challenge. Yes. They wanted to be like, oh, look how much they're struggling. Oh, look how generous we are. <laughs> and look how much fun they're having. Yeah. And then we get a, a, an aside where Tom is pissed at Lex. And I noted here that Jared wrote furiously here in his note. So I, what do you remember what you wrote here? Yeah, I really just wrote down that it's interesting how anti-Lex Ethan has been. I, you're, it's Tom who confronted him? Nobody confronted him. It's just Tom. Tom. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's just interesting how, how they've turned so 180 on Lex. Mm -hmm. And I, I do think that if Lex didn't win this immunity challenge, they would have at least considered sending him home. Mm. Interesting. I don't know if they would have done it. I don't think they would have. But I think they would have at least considered it. <laughs> then we get a hippo bobblehead in, in tree mail. <laughs> it's the best way I can describe it. It's, uh, you see it all the time in different cultures. It's, it's, it's essentially on a string and then you, you touch the head, but the rest of the body is solid. Mm -hmm. But a bobblehead is the easiest way for me to describe it. It's cute, I guess. It's cute. And they hint in the reward challenge that this is a pure reward. Yep. All good things. Going no to bad. an auction, baby! We get the auction again! You get two, 20,000 Kenyan shillings. And Jared, Jared, do you feel validated here? I do. That back of the napkin math very quickly was correct. Yeah, it is. One dollar is about 100 shillings. So they are given about $200 here. Two thousand uh, dollars. Two thousand times a hundred. No, wait. I'm moving the the decimal twice. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Two hundred dollars here. Damn it! I show up my math prowess and then I immediately shit my pants live on microphone. Yay! Damn it! <laughs> I have the full list of everything and what it went for. Do you have highlights that you want to drag out? Um, the bidding started a lot higher than I expected it to. Yeah. Crackers was way too high for the amount of money that they were given. It was like, started at like $6,000. I was like, oh, okay. And I, it was, I wish they would have used a lower denomination because it is hard to keep track of when we're bidding in 500s and mm -hmm. it goes up to 20,000. Yeah. Um, fucking big dick Tom. Uh, Jeff being like, all right, the bidding on this beer starts at 5,000. He's like, 1,000. He's like, no, I said it starts at 5,000. He's like, I'm bidding 1,000. And he gets it for 1000 And he gets it. It's amazing. I, Jeff today would stare in his eyes and pour the beer on the beach. <laughs> no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, and I thought that Ethan was very excited about it and ate the whole thing, but a cup of chocolate syrup yeah. seemed like a very bad reward. It was a, But it, I don't think it was initially part of it. I think Jeff saw the opportunity because we had an ice cream sundae with chocolate sauce added. Oh, interesting. And everyone just went nuts for the chocolate sauce and he's like okay well i have this here cup of chocolate sauce anyone wants to give me five grand for that and i can appreciate how jeff isn't as much of a dictator in these early seasons mm -hmm. with things like the cast auctioning among themselves yeah. part of their food items i he, he plays into it he yeah. loved it he loved it i don't think modern jeff would do that no i think they would be a little bit more strict about those rules to uh to, to keep them in it and to keep people from going crazy or going crazy with it and saying, this is my one thing, I want it. Yeah. But I think what the biggest thing and the biggest change from last season is that up front they say, 
I'm not telling you when this ends. It yes. ends abruptly, and there is no warning. And just a small little side note in the way that this season is so much less brutal, even though it's still pretty brutal. Mm -hmm. Hey, both of the surprises were good. Yeah. I, I would have taken one, but, like, to have... It was... I just... That moment sticks out to me so much in Australia, where they're auctioning off these really pitiful food items. Like, the food items this season were so much better. Yes. Like, a whole plate of fried chicken and mashed potatoes versus, like, what did Nick get at one point? Like, half a Snickers bar or something? There was a protein bar, I was, think. Yeah, there was, yeah, one guy had a protein bar. It was, like, that was uh, Colby. Was it Colby? Yeah, yeah Colby okay. got the protein bar. But, like, actual meals yeah. <laughs> instead of whatever the fuck they did last season. And last season, revealing that the, the one mystery prize they did was a glass of water. Yeah, a glass of river water. Like, fuck off. Yeah. This, I, I think the reason for that is that there were fewer items here and mm -hmm. you didn't know when it was going to end so they could go bigger with these instead of, here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing. I think it was fun. Oh, I like this one a lot better. Yeah. A quick rundown of the things. Coffee and a croissant, cheese and crackers, a beer, the ice cream sundae with chocolate sauce, the chocolate syrup from that chocolate sauce, a mystery prize. <laughs> The first mystery prize was really, really good. It was, yeah. It that was, was a fried chicken and mashed potatoes. Fried yeah. chicken and mashed potatoes and a, a salad? It looked like there was something else. Something yeah. A hoagie, which it looked like a meatball sub. They didn't yeah. explicitly say that, but it looked like it. No, a hoagie is. Hoagie is just a sandwich. Is it really? It, I believe the hoagie is just the, the definition of like it's on a. Oh, like hoagie style bread? Yeah. But go ahead, Google that for me. Learn me things. And then uh, one one last mystery prize, which was bid together with Tom and Ethan for nine thousand. They had they had to pool together because this was at the point where nobody had any money. Yeah, I'm okay without the pooling. I agree. I think that the pooling kind of ruins it for someone like Young Kim that is doesn't have a person that they're tight with anymore. Correct. Yeah. And. Tom is technically the winner of this, despite half of it being Ethan's. And so Tom goes up and lifts up off the thing. And it, it it's a big reveal because he's like, oh, Jeff, you screwed. I can't believe you did this to me. And then lifts it off and it's pancakes, ham, and toast. Something like that. Yeah, he's calling Eggs. it ham. It looked like bacon. But either way, pig, ham. And his first reaction <sighs> is to shout out, He's a Jew. He won't eat the ham. He can't eat the ham. He's a Jew. Which, I, I, they've been there a long time. Uh -huh. Maybe Ethan has talked to, the, you know, that he keeps kosher or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't think so. I mean, they're buds. They, they talk, and they talk about it afterwards. We'll get yeah, into yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. We have no insight to whether or not that's actually true and whether or not Ethan keeps kosher. But Tom is a bad look. <laughs> it is bad luck. Maybe just run around shouting, shouting about how he's a Jew, and so I get more food than him. Yeah, and how I screwed you out of food because your your religious beliefs got him. It's it just the the words "he's a Jew" hit the ear harshly. Oh no, it's a hundred percent not okay now, <laughs> and at the time also not okay. And Ethan has to talk him talk to him about it. And I'm just going to jump to that because I think it's important. The, yeah, Tom has to apologize for what he said and how he did it. And it did bother Ethan. It did. It absolutely did. To the point where he's like, I don't know, I just, I, I feel bad, man. I feel like a, a 
And Ethan's like, a bigot? Yeah. <laughs> and Tom's like, what's a bigot? Huh? <laughs> oh, Tom. Oh, Tom. Oh, Tom. Yeah, and this is the problem, too. Like, the, the, the defensiveness of when somebody does a racist thing and then somebody tries to confront them on it. It's like, oh, well, you can just call me whatever you want. You could call me Caucasian. There's no bad word for the people that have held the power in the Western world for hundreds of years. Yeah. I'm so sorry. There's Nothing no... that you say can have the same weight. Exactly. It, yeah. <laughs> What's a bigot? What's a bigot? Well, Tommy boy. <laughs> Better start believing in bigots, Tommy, because you are one. Uh, something else I noticed at the end of this is that Lex never stops playing. Like, Lex is never not playing the game. Correct. He's analyzing during the auction, he talks about it afterwards, how the partner lines are drawn. Like, mm. how it's him and old Kim, Tom and Ethan, Teresa and Frank, and young Kim out on her own. Yeah. And that makes me wonder, I don't think old Kim is, in, is as invested as Lex, in Lex, as Lex is invested in old Kim. Mm. And her comment about, like, maybe being one of the one of the three she could just off him yeah like, eventually like in the top in the final five final four area easily yep i unless think... he keeps winning immunity challenges mm, we'll have to see but yeah no uh lex lex is approaching he's not approaching game bot in a bad way status but he's he's he lost his goddamn mind over those votes, mm -hmm. and he's pulled it back now. He's pulled it back from the brink. It's, he's no longer being a tyrant. It's hard to come back from that. He's doing his best, but yeah. it's hard to come back from that. Then we go, well, one last bit from the reward challenge. Kim wins the, the chicken dinner. It was a winner, old, Kim. Winner, old Kim. And starts auctioning off part of the chicken dinner, eventually to Lex, but it was eventually, it was supposed to go to Teresa. Yeah. And Jeff gets in on it. Jeff is like letting, I, you're, you're right. I expected him to put a kibosh on that and say, no, 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 this is my show. I'm the one that does the auctioning. You eat that chicken. I am the one who knocks this gavel. <laughs> and then he comes in and he's like, she's doing it. Going once, going twice. Jeff, you want to do it? It's like, yeah, I do. Boom. <laughs> sold. <laughs> it's great. I loved it. Back when people viewed Jeff as a part of the show and not an omnipotent deity of yeah. the show. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get into... I remember last time... I'm sorry. I said last time was the, the beach episode. Yeah, you, you spoke too early. I did. This is the beach episode. Mm -hmm. This is Tom. If Tom was the main... Or a side character, this is... This is the Tom. This goes is the Tom and, show. And does pervy things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom is that character in an anime, huh? He's the master Roshi of this squad. Ooh. I expected this to be so much worse, too, because this is a the end. It's bad. Mm -hmm. It is bad. But they showed it all to us in the preview. Yeah. So I didn't see anything new in the episode, which is kind of just a bummer of editing, because, like, I don't. It's like, it's why I don't watch trailers for movies, because they show the best shit or shit that isn't real in trailers. And then I go to the movie, and I'm disappointed. Well, Jared, they didn't show you everything in that. Uh, ah, you're right. Some of the editing in this was a little suspect. Hanging a little too long on young Kim's body. The slow pan downwards to hang on her ass for like three seconds. Yes. Yeah, so and then show a shot of Tom, and then cut back to young Kim, and we're still on her ass. The, the whole point was that Tom gets away with murder. Tom might be a genius. They show him beating everyone in checkers. They show him, like, goofing around and being dumb about the water. But then they show him literally 
having free reign to wash any other person here and getting away with it. Yes. Now, one thing I... Okay, a couple things I'll say. Yes. Ethan is very funny about how he talks about Tom, both in the in in the Jewish incident yes. and in this, where he's play, he's very political. He's just talking to him. He's like, yeah, you know, we get very comfortable with each other out here. Because people see me. I don't mind changing in front of people, like whatever. But there's a little bit underneath it. It's like, Tom's a, a little too friendly with a lot of the women. Um, and Lex is just straight out like he gets away with murder. It, the bare, it's the fucking, the bar's in hell, Steven. Yes. The bar's in hell. Correct. At least it seemed like everything he did was consensual. <laughs> You're I, If not consensual, there was no, like, no qualms about any of it. It's, yes. No one's like, hell yeah, Tom, come douse me in water. It's the, yeah, whatever. Although, we don't care. I We're think so it's, numb. I think it's old Kim that talks about him in a way that makes me really sad for her. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of the the quiet suffering, suffering may be too strong of a word, but the the things that before would get hand-waved because, oh, that's just how they are, or, oh, there's no stopping him, or, oh, you know, it's got to be, we got to keep the peace. We got to, especially in, in Kim's, old Kim's mind, mm-hmm. in the game, mm-hmm. oh, well, there's no point in pissing anybody off, so I'll just let him do what he wants to do because he's not going to cross the line. But, like, clearly she's uncomfortable, like a little uncomfortable, Young Kim, we don't get her perspective, but old Kim's kind of like, it seemed like it had been hardened in her from 40 years of having to deal with the same cycles over and over and over again, where her mentality is more, well, why do, why fight him? Yeah. Like, he's not doing, he's not going to jump our bones, was her exact quote. Yeah. So if he gets a peek at us, what do I care? I I think there is a little bit of that, but the only thing that I'm like, maybe it's a little a little not that is the end of that quote where she says, if he, if he gets a peak, more power to him. And she's kind of playing that in a, you know what? It's kind of, it's kind of flirty. It's kind of not flirty. Hmm. It's, she knows that they do have a little bit of control there. Okay. In, in the feminine form. Sure. And I think she would be more, well, maybe not her. I think Young Kim would definitely be more apt to, to say, no, you crossed the line, back the fuck up. Oh, see, that's interesting, because I would not be surprised to find out that Young Kim is leaning into it. Yeah. Uh, to beguile Tom and, yeah. and stay sort of in the shadow of that alliance to stay around farther. I think it's a move. Oh, yeah. I Use what you're given. Move. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Use every tool at your disposal to win this game that doesn't actively break the rules. Yeah. And then we get to immunity. The immunity challenge, we have the trivia kind of challenge. I hate this challenge. Yeah, I need it to go away. I hate the story challenges. Jeff tells a story, and then I will I will give it it's a it's a much better story than previous times. Each time it's gotten better, yes. but that's because the first one was so bad. And like I would give the first story a one out of ten. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't seem like anything and it was accurate. It had this hokey video camera element it was maybe the worst challenge of that whole season correct season two like a three like at least some of it some of it seemed accurate out of out of 10 yeah out of 10 yeah 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 and then i'd give this one on its own scale (laughs) not the scale of other challenges but its own its own one to ten scale story challenges like in eight okay like they the story seems really well researched and is interesting to listen to the other two stories were not interesting to listen to at all 
Yeah. It has a... The questions are worded in such a way to make it somewhat difficult. Mm -hmm. um, using different details and different parts of the story to make the answers a little confusing. Yes. But in a way that actually feels fair. That's all the good I can say about it. That's, yeah. that's pretty much all the good I can say about it. I think they did a good job of... it. It did seem much more based in fact than in previous challenges like this. Where they took a story of essentially growth from being born all the way up to you write a passage as a man. For the real Samburu tribe. Correct. Which I thought was cool. Yeah. But that's all with the leaning credit towards the show that they did their research on this one and they talked to people in the area and all of that. Yeah. If that was not the case, then like, Jesus Christ, guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they did a better job of at least making it sound correct. Hey, uh, Steven. Uh-huh. Why eggs? Yeah, so, <laughs> in the challenge, you're told the story, and then you have to go out of the... It was essentially in a, an abandoned camp, and they would have to go outside through these gates to answer questions, and they would have to gate off, and then you had two answers. One was correct, one was incorrect, represented by... Ostrich eggs? Yeah. Like porcelain ostrich eggs. Yeah. Which again, weird choice. Yeah, and one of the only times that I can think of, at least so far, mm -hmm. that the game isn't self-sufficient. Like we never see, unless something has gone horribly wrong in the challenge, mm -hmm. crews doing stuff. And we still don't see it, but like... They have to. They have to. There's no other way this challenge works without a crew member standing there over them, waiting for them to break the eggs, and then putting more eggs out. And they kind of address that... Jeff says something like, you know, between each person, the eggs will be reset. Correct. Well, you kind of just broke the immersion of the entire challenge, my guy. Yep. It's, it's weird, and I'm not a big fan of that. No. You have to get five correct answers, and you get, like, essentially a leather strap dyed a certain color that you tie onto your post. And if you get all five of them, you win. Tom sucks at this. Five of the seven. There were seven options. Were I there seven options? Well, because all of them have a gate right when they begin. Uh -huh. All of them were faced in a different direction, and none of them had to wait for somebody else. So there had okay. to be seven. And when we see Lex win, there's multiple... There's at least two notches that don't have leather bands on okay. them. Okay. I thought that there were ten, but... Oh, maybe there were ten. Doubled up colors. Oh! I might have misunderstood that then. Either way, there's like, more than there's more than five gates. Correct. Thankfully, yes, yes. Nobody was left waiting for a gate. That would have been very bad. Yes. <laughs> and yes, you're right. Tom is horrible at this. And before this, I was starting to when they they showed Tom beating everyone at checkers, and they're like, you know, Tom's smarter than we give him credit for, and like everyone has a conventional about like how smart Tom is. I was like, is Tom actually like? Is Tom a did Tom fool me? <laughs> and then I see him doing this, and I was like, no, no, hold up, he's not. <laughs> nope. He might have, he might be more manipulative than I think, but as far as book smarts go, I think I've got Tom pegged. Yeah. yeah. So Tom sucks. Lex and Frank are the, the ones who kind of break away in this one. Mm -hmm. And neither one is like perfect. They both, I, I believe they show both of them screwing up at least once. Yep. And young Kim was keeping for a while too. And yeah. then she just screwed up like three in a row. Uh, before we finish the challenge, I thought it was interesting Sometimes challenges put you in danger. This one felt a little more dangerous than it needed to be. Yeah. You're talking about those shattering porcelain eggs? Yeah. Y yeah. Why do that? There's, Why? You could do literally anything else. Uh, you had to mix so many porcelain eggs. 
Correct. God forbid some poor intern fucks up which one the egg oh, setting the eggs because you can't mark them. They're probably marked on the bottom. Eh, that makes sense. But still, like, yeah, no, that there's it's so excessive for no reason. Yeah. Like we we solved this last season. Yeah. It's just you undo the sign and it tells you if you're right or wrong. Yeah. And then you presumably I'm guessing in season two they probably had an intern or a camera person tie it back up. Sure. But I didn't have to think about that at the time. Because they didn't make it part of the game and the way they explained the game. And also they weren't gonna cut their hands open, nobody did. But it's just yeah, there's in the list of reasons they would do that, I can find none. Except for, hey guys, ostriches in 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 Africa. <laughs> which also, when you think of ostriches, which do you think of more? Australia or Africa? Australia. Yeah. But I, I don't know that I want to go to bat for that. Well, but, but like my gut also says Australia. I'm sure they're in Africa too. Yeah. You also made the wrong choice a season later when you just did the one that the choice was made more sense for in the previous season. Design element. Baffling. And yes, I know I go a little long-winded on this kind of stuff. But the thing is, they have production meetings about this. They spend months planning these challenges and this is what they came up with i think ostriches are native to africa but were brought over to australia in ostrich farms that makes sense i just i just because when you think of africa ostrich isn't one of the top 10 animals you think of no but i knew it's definitely there yeah of my complaints that's the one on the bottom of the list of why why did you do that okay that's fair so the challenge gets close. Lex has all five, and then as he's finishing, his one of his bands falls off of his post. We're gonna do this every fucking season, huh? Yeah, it's the same bit over and over again. Every time. So he he brings it to Jeff. Jeff's like, "No, you don't have it. Go go find your thing." And so he does. And I mean, it makes it look closer than it is. It yeah. gives Frank a shot, but then when he runs back with his strap, Frank is nowhere near it. They don't show him, but they show him, like, running back toward the circle. So I don't think it was as close as they tried to make that look. I don't think so either. So Lex wins. And Frank is second. But second doesn't matter. <laughs> it sure doesn't. Yeah. Um, this next scene where we get Frank... Well, first of all, this whole scene is hilarious. We get raw, unfiltered Frank. Everything from the end of this challenge to the tribal council is fucking hysterical. <laughs> because you get... What I felt right away was Frank's eulogy. Like, Frank just, like, talked about, like, how good the morning is and the sun is setting. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. so Frank's gone. Goodbye, Frank. Yep. Knew thee well. This this was pretty obvious that this was going this way. And Frank's just happy-go-lucky. He's like, you know what? I kind of like people. I'm, let's go, I'm going to go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to razzle-dazzle them. And so, Jared, uh, tell me a little bit about that. And razzle-dazzle. so he sits down and goes, y'all, how cool are guns? and everyone's like what he's just talking about like yeah no like guns are he he says specifically i'm gonna show them the soft side of frank yeah and then it's like guys guns are so fucking cool fucking love guns and this is an exact quote i made sure to write it down word for word because it blew my mind was frank saying people just basically trying to get frank to stop talking gun politics in the middle of kenya Mm -hmm. and he says 
some like little liberal special interest groups that the media focuses on instead of the working class folk that founded this country. Oh, the bullshit dog whistles are, have been around for so long. This is the same talking points. Yep. That are going on today. Yep. Yeah. It's, hey, listeners out there, you have uncles. I you do. can find this on most of your uncle's Facebook pages right now. That's true. I do have that. Insane. And the fact that he <laughs> thought this was the soft side of him. Aww. And I think that the, I think there's been more of this than we've that we have not seen. Mm-hmm. Because nobody reacts like this is the first time something like this has happened. Yeah. I and I I think they wanted to show us a reason that people that Frank's getting on people's nerves. Sure before he's voted off, but I think they've been burying that for a while. Okay. I, I think you're right. I think, I, I do think he made an active effort to kind of like bring it down and this is like bubbling to the surface, but I'm sure there have been many moments of Frank, the fuck dude. Yeah, but the problem is he thinks, at least with the way that the show is telling the story mm-hmm. of Frank's confessional and then this, yeah. that Frank thinks this is how he wins them over and how he's going to stay around longer and show them his social side. Oh no, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> defending how out of touch he is. He is incredibly out of touch. So how many things has he said that haven't been that, he hasn't been that persistent on, but mm-hmm. he just throws out thinking that everyone agrees with him. Weirdly, I think Tom is a shield for this. I think Tom mm. says so much outrageous bullshit that you you get like a offhanded comment from Frank and you're like, oh, at least it's not Tom. Oh, I think it's the other way around. Really? I think Frank is a shield for Tom because Tom's is usually in good fun. A little more lighthearted. Lighthearted. And Frank will go on a tirade about how the media is silencing everyone. The liberals! He says on a show on one of the biggest networks in prime time <laughs> that those people are being silenced. Yeah. Yeah. But worry, don't, don't worry. Uh, guns don't kill people. People with guns kill people. Well, you use something, they use something else. Dude, it's... If, if for the record, the Sorry Returning Back Time podcast uh, d- d- does believe that guns do kill people. Hey, if you make it easier... People do it more. Yeah. And not just, like, killing other people. Also, suicide and shit like that. Like, yeah. if you... It has been proven time and time and time again that if you give people access to things uh, that will make it easier... I'll use suicide as an example. To end their own life and you put them within arm's reach, the rate of suicide goes up. Yeah. because Because things like that are usually impulsive and not planned. Yeah. I'm gonna get on my high horse for one last second and then we're gonna move on. Your standard citizen does not need an assault rifle. They just don't. Cool. Moving on. Tribal Council. A little bit before Tribal Council, Teresa is trying to make moves and trying to push old Kim into making an all-girls alliance, plus Frank. Girls' alliances always go well. Um, Historically, I've been told. I think if Lex hadn't won immunity, this had a chance. Okay. Okay. You think Lex is a good rallying point to get him to go? I think... That Lex is an easier sell for old Kim mm-hmm. than Ethan or Tom. Okay. Both of those are incredibly hard sells. What has Ethan done wrong in this game? Nothing. And they talk about that. Yeah. And even, and this is not the era of like, he's playing too well, we need to get rid of him. Because he also hasn't really made any, any huge moves. Mm-hmm. He's been on cruise control this entire game. You have no reason to go after him right now. And Tom, I don't think Kim sees Tom as a threat. 
old Kim Seastyle as much of a threat as, <laughs> you know, keeping around... When balancing that with keeping around somebody like Frank... Sure. I think she'd rather get rid of Frank. Yeah. And so would everyone else, because everyone votes for Frank. Yeah. Do you have any, any notes from Tribal? <laughs> Not really. Pretty, pretty standard talk from here. Ethan, you have to look out for yourself in the end. It's essentially going over and over again about this is a game. Jeff brings up likability mm-hmm. to old Kim, asks if she's worried about being too likable, and she says, well, no, if I was too strong, I'd worry about being too strong. You know, if you're too likable, you worry about being too likable. So yeah, it's a worry, but you always have something to be worried about about why you could be voted off. Mm-hmm. But it's the first time I've heard, is this person too likable as a reason? First time I can remember of Jeff, like, bringing that up in conversation of like, hey, maybe you guys start getting rid of likable people. Yeah. Hey, maybe it's in your best interest to not keep them around if you want to win a million dollars. Yeah. So yeah, Frank goes home. Frank is voted out again, pretty much unanimously, which I think is a very bizarre choice here. Uh, Unless you're trying to cozy up to the other team and be like, hey, I've been with you this whole time. Yeah, I think that I understood it this time because... Old Kim has come to them and said, no, I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. So throwing votes on Ethan makes no difference. But as of right now, they don't know that Ethan was their target. Or Ethan doesn't know that that's, he was the target. Sure. So obscure your target. Throw okay. him on Frank. You know he's going home. Yeah. You don't like him anyway. Makes sense. Cool. Frank gone. And Frank will continue to be gone because we don't see any more of Frank. Shocking. How do you think Frank does in the future? So much worse. <laughs> this was the best season for Frank. This is the best he could possibly do was season three. Yeah. Africa is the right environment for him. The state of the game is the right state of the game for him. Like maybe he would do better in like a season one or two before the people have actually started playing the game. Mm-hmm. But I think he'd rub people the wrong way and they wouldn't like him. So he'd go home earlier. Yeah. So yeah, I think he's in the right place at the right time. And this is as far as he would ever go. Yeah. It's, the information out there is, is interesting. I think I didn't bring up his bio from earlier because it would have hinted at what we were getting at. But he was interesting from his bio. He was born in Amsterdam to a Dutch woman and an American soldier and then moved to the U.S. in 1960, hmm. which I find interesting. Telephone technician, we knew that. Mm-hmm. Non-commissioned officer with the 24th Infantry in the U.S. Army. There okay. you go. An avid hunter, Garrison is a member of the National Rifle National Rifle Association and enthusiastically, enthusiastically supports the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Even in the bio, he has to work in the talking points. It's so crazy. It's like, I, I get, listen, you like some guns, fine. But, like, nobody is crazier about a single thing than gun people that enthusiastically support the Second Amendment. Like, anyway, we've talked enough about it. In his post-show interview with Entertainment Weekly, he he doesn't do a quarantine questionnaire, or at least I didn't find it. (laughs) Shocking. Yeah. What what was going on with that pro-NRA speech you gave? It was an everyday conversation. I was doing nothing different than I did any other day, so it wasn't as if I suddenly started talking about my beliefs. In fact, I didn't even bring up the subject. My opinion was asked, and I gave it. Everyone else expressed their opinions in different conversation points, but the editors just happened to show that one. It really wasn't the major turning point. It seemed to be on the show. That's kind of what I was getting at, actually, sure. was, yeah, this just kind of seems like how Frank is every day. Yeah. It's <laughs> and just they him. finally got sick of it. Yeah. Yeah, and they talk about why he brought the antlers for his luxury item. 
Why did he bring antlers? He's a hunter. This is him. You couldn't have brought anything of use? You can find antlers in Africa. They were a, a reflection of his character, he says. There's animals everywhere, my guy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I absolutely had some plans to use them for hunting, but once it was explained to me that there was no hunting on the preserve, all that yeah. fell by the wayside. That is something I meant to I, I meant to bring up that like, hey, we they don't do any hunting this season, like in season two. Mm -hmm. But then I remember that they're on a forest preserve and we're probably told, no, absolutely, you can only kill an animal in self-defense. Yeah. I feel like I know the answer to this question, but who is your protagonist of the episode? Uh, actually, it's Old Kim. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Old Kim is the one making, looking forward to the final four. Okay. She's the, she is the only possible pivot vote. <laughs> and we get, we, they've really held her back. They've really buried her until now. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of the episode that we see a lot more of her run her up to Tom. Uh, because Tom is the comedic relief of the episode. Sure. He doesn't really drive much action, but he's, he's omnipresent. The, he's the center point of a lot of conversation. He here. is. But he's the center point of a lot of people talking about Tom being Tom mm -hmm. versus Kim being like, all right, here's the things I want to do. Or don't want to do. Yeah. All right. Cool. Let's end the episode with a bumper. So that'll do it for this episode of the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast. Ah! That's Same. fine. I just, I just need to get that out. I, I got a lot of stuff to do. I'll be editing this probably on a bus, so that'll be fun. That should be fine. Yeah. I mean, I'll put the headphones in. It'll, it'll be a good time. <laughs> no, just no headphones. Raw dog everyone's ears with editing. Hey, kids, you want to hear a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Anything you would like to promote? I would like to promote offering to cat sit your friend's cats. It's really hard to find a cat sitter over the holidays, and I finally did. Oh, good. Like, you know, sit your friend's animals, yeah. please. I'm sorry. I would if I was planning on being here. But this I'm wasn't not. aimed at you I this know. time. At this time. Yeah. Usually they're all aimed at you. <laughs> ah! I am going to promote not the NRA. I would like to promote maybe rethinking how the Second Amendment works. I changed my mind. Yeah, fuck the NRA. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, the right to defend yourself is great, but the right to defend yourself with weapons of mass destruction, not so much. Uh, it's the only amendment that gets used as an absolute... Like, the First Amendment is not an, an all-encompassing amendment. You can't yell fire in a theater. Yeah. But, maybe you know whatever you want. Maybe I'll promote fixing your constitution. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> yeah. All right. For my co-host, Jared, this is Steven. For my host, Steven, this is Jared. Happy New Year. And bye-bye. Bang, 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 bang. Is that you shooting into the air? Yeah. For the new year? Yeah. Bye-bye! <laughs> it's iron. It's ironic, Steven. I got it. <laughs>